Hi there, this is Pastor Ronnie Allen here at Omega Church. I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. If this is your first time listening, we want to say thank you for joining us. We hope this message equips you to follow God's voice. We believe that if you're searching, today your search is over. Thanks for being with us and enjoy. Anybody here for the very first time or viewing by live stream for the very first time, if you're searching, today we declare in the name of Jesus, your search is over. Because when you're looking for something and searching, once you found it, why do you need to search anymore? Well, Jesus, Jesus is what humanity's been searching for. Amen. And our, our job is to introduce you to him, okay? Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Father. I want to make this announcement to you. Friday night, we're going to have, uh, everybody knows Friday is what is referred to as Good Friday. Good for us. Okay. But Friday evening, we're going to be having, uh, right here in the auditorium, the uh, Passion of the Christ will be available for you to view. If you haven't seen it, or if you have seen it, we want to encourage you to come. Now, the only thing that I ask you is, uh, I know it's going to be graphic. It's designed to make an impact. This is not designed to uh, entertain you. So we won't be passing out popcorn. Okay. What we're here to do is let it have an impact. Majority of the time, we have a very obscure view of the sacrifice that was paid. And because of this is really graphic, you need to discern whether you should bring your children or not. Uh, young children, I don't recommend it. But older children, you know, you know their level of maturity. But uh, it, it is designed to have an impact on you. Okay, I remember when Zona and I saw it years ago at a movie theater. The whole place was packed. I mean, you couldn't get no, nobody, you couldn't get in. And after we viewed it, you know how people have their popcorn, pick it up, and throw it away, and you know, they're talking and everything. Everybody was silent and filed out silently. And it's because God anointed that, no matter who he used, you know, you God can prophesy through a donkey. I guess he can use anybody, right? I don't matter who he used, that's unimportant. It was a movie designed to make an impact. It is not designed to entertain. And I think that on Good Friday, that's when the price was paid. And I, I want to encourage you to view it. And the reason why I want you to view it is because then you'll have an understanding of the price that's paid, and then you understand the victory that was wrought on the third day. Okay? So I just, I'm making that announcement to you so you'll know, know it's available. We'll be here at 7 o'clock viewing that. Okay? Praise God. And uh, you're, you're well, welcome to come in your blue jeans. In other words, you've got to come directly from your work. That's fine. Okay? We're not, we're, we're not concerned about that. What we want you to do is get an understanding. Glory to God. I, I want to allow the 180 group to go to their small groups, and I want us to just thank God for them because God is working in them and through them, and the Holy Spirit that they received is not 
the junior Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Same Holy Spirit that dwells in you dwells in them. Amen. Amen. And they can do beyond what they could ask or think in the name of Jesus. So, Father, we just praise you right now. Thank God for our youth. Amen. Thank God for our youth. We're very grateful for them. And we're grateful for you too, you younger youth. <laughs> Haven't you ever heard your youth is renewed like the eagle? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not a squawking chicken, I'm an eagle. And then you may be seated. <laughs> Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to talk today, and when I say talk, uh, I'm dependent upon the Holy Spirit to make the impact on our thinking and reasoning. I'm going to open my mouth, and I'm believing God, and you need to be believing God with me, that the Holy Spirit speaks through me accurate words and accurate concepts to convey understanding. This is what the work of Jesus came to do is to redeem us. We're going to talk about redemption. Uh, I want to just say this to you and kind of like a prelude to where we're going to go. How many of you have ever heard of a redemption ticket? You ever, you ever bought, how many of you ever bought one of those uh, uh, fundraiser chicken dinner plates, right? right? And you bought it. And then as they fixed it, you went and they gave you a ticket because you pre-bought it probably. I just want to throw that out there. I'm making a parallel here. Pay attention. You pre-bought it. And was given to you a redemption ticket. You took that ticket, and it's kind of like a receipt, and you went and exchanged the receipt for something that's already been paid for. Did you hear me? All right. So that parallels with what happens. That gives us a, a, an insight, a concept of what we're going to be talking about. Jesus came not to give us what we deserve. Now, this is important. He came to give us what he deserves. Now, that's hard sometimes. We have to renew our mind to transform our way of thinking to get that. Because fallen human nature has within it condemnation. It condemns us. And another word for condemn is to confine. Uh, how many of you, that, don't raise your hand, don't respond to this by raising your hand, but how many of you have ever done something in your past that you wish everybody else would forget. I'm raising my hand for everybody now. Okay. 
And it seems like they can't let it go, so therefore it's hard for you to let it go. Right? Shout me down now, preaching really good. The thing you need to grasp is Jesus came to deliver you from the consciousness of condemnation. Jesus never came to condemn anybody. But we condemn ourselves because of the nature of sin within us. David said, I was born and shapen in iniquity. Now, that, that doesn't mean that his mother, uh, you know, and his father did something wrong. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the nature of sin came through the fall of Adam and it's passed on and I was conceived with the nature of sin. Now, we all were born. When we were born, we were in a state of innocence for a while, but how many of you ever, how many of you got any kids? Okay. Whether they're grown or gone, or still at home, is unimportant. You've had some kids. Have you ever noticed it doesn't take them long to get their little fits throwing and rebelling against parents? And anybody that ever says that they have a, a child that uh, has never rebelled, lie, lie, lie. <laughs> It's kind of like I heard a story one time that there was a student acting up in the uh, classroom and the teacher told him, said, little Ronnie, and I'm going to use my name, <laughs> little Ronnie, you better, you better straighten up. If you don't, I'm going to make you stand in the corner. Of course, little Ronnie, didn't take long for him to forget about the warning, got in trouble, so the teacher put him in the corner. And little Ronnie's standing there facing the corner, and he says, I may be standing up on the outside in the corner, but I am sitting down on the inside. <laughs> okay? So what I, what I want you to grasp from that is that we, it doesn't take long for human nature, fallen human nature, remember when they talk about that, fallen human nature, carnality, uh, fleshly mindedness. It doesn't take long for that to show up in each and every one, even the sweetest of us. Was born and shapen in that iniquity, that tendency to yield to a nature that God, listen carefully, did not give us. That nature came through the disobedience of Adam and that disobedience of Adam opened the door for the nature of the devil to come in. Okay? Now, as kind as I want to say it, I have to be blunt right here. Every person does, that, does not make Jesus the Lord of their life has the nature of the devil. Okay? And you're condemned to stay there. Jesus came to relieve us from condemnation. And that condemnation needs, that, that the redemption of that condemnation needs to be in our consciousness. 
That's what we need to be conscious of. He came to redeem us. And I want to talk to you about redemption. Redemption is to purchase freedom. Okay? To purchase freedom. It's also, another definition is to pay a debt in order to gain or regain possession of something. How many of you ever went down and hocked something at the pawn shop? When you hock it at the pawn shop, guess what? There's astronomical <laughs> interest associated. Are y'all following me? When you go back to buy it, if it's still there, you go back to buy it, it's going to cost you more than what you gave or was given for it. Is that right? Okay. Mankind hocked his soul. And to gain it back, it was going to have to pay, we were going to have to pay a price that could not be paid by us. So Jesus came to redeem us. Turn to your neighbor and say, to redeem your fat out of the hock. <laughs> we love to push that on somebody else, don't we? <laughs> All right. Now, it, 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 to gain possession of. Now, <clears throat> Galatians chapter 3, and I want to try to read these, all these verses that we're going to go to. We're going to go to three different places before I get in too far into teaching and preaching. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3, and we'll look at verse, start with verse number 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. Now, the law he's referring to, we have to be very careful here. We've talked about this for months there are a lot of laws that the Bible talks about. And God is not a lawless God. Are you following that? And there are laws that govern systems. And you're not justified in the eyes of God by the law of sin and death. You're not justified. You ever heard eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth? You'll never be justified in the eyes of God by that law. Because as soon as you get the eye for the eye and the tooth for the tooth, you're going to have to take out another eye and you only got two of them. <laughs> you follow? You won't be justified in the eyes of God. So the law he's referring to actually is the law, of the moral law, okay? Moral law. You understand where your morals are at, don't you? I didn't say laurels. I said morals. You know where your morals are at. They're on the inside of you. So no man, through the nature of fallen human nature, can have moral absolute. 
Are you following that? Nobody can because of the fallen human nature that came through Adam. So he's talking about moral law. And don't look at me as if you've never sinned ever against the Ten Commandments. If you act like that, you're lying. So you therefore, you therefore broke one of the moral laws. Right? So just take the Ten Commandments, that moral law. You're never justified by the moral standard. Okay? And you're not justified by the law of ceremonial worship. That's the two laws that God gave Moses on the mount. The two laws. Ceremonial law and moral law. Those laws were designed, listen carefully, to confine or restrict fallen human nature until the time of restoration. Did you get that? Until the time of restoration. From the time that Adam sinned in the garden until Jesus came, God had to deal with man externally because internally we died to God. Now listen very carefully. You and I are triune beings. We're, we are spirit man, spirit woman, mankind. I don't know how, yeah, I got to say that for today. Okay, we are spirit man. We have a soul. You're not, listen, you are not a soul. You have a soul. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. Your body is not you. It's the house you live in. Are you following me? Without that house, you have no participation on planet earth. Are you following me? Morally, which supersedes legality most of the time, morally, dead people don't vote. <laughs> I said morally. Okay? It is legal, but if you don't have morals, you don't enforce the legality of it. You follow? So, you have a body. You live on a three-dimensional plane. When Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden through disobedience, and God told them that if you do this, the day you do it, you'll die. So I want you to listen carefully. This is very, very important. Too many people think that if something happens on this planet, God designed it. God, God did it, or it couldn't have happened. That is totally a lie. Because God already told Adam and Eve, don't do this. And guess what they did? They did it. Right? God told them what his will was, but they disobeyed it. At that point, 
our spirit died. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, our spirit is the candle of the Lord. Okay? So here's what I want you to, to grasp about this. A candle is lit to give light. Right? Just having a candle doesn't mean you have light. So our candle went out. We could say it this way, the light died. At that point now, man continues to live in the physical realm, cut off from a spiritual realm. And he lives through this soul that is not really them. It's not really them. It is the nature now that programs that soul. I'm setting you up for something. The only reason why I'm taking time right here. So you live on three dimensions. When Jesus came, Jesus came to light your candle. To give you light whereby the Father of lights, James puts it, and you could have fellowship one with another, spirit to spirit, because God is a spirit. Does that make sense to you now? Okay. I want you, if you're going to take a note, you take this down right now, because you're going to, you're talking about confession, you need to confess this. You were created by God for him to love you. You, you were created to be loved. I'm talking about by God. Now, if you don't receive the love of God, how can you love your neighbor? Because you don't even love yourself. Okay? When, when that light went out and we were in darkness through our spirit, we became animalistic. How many of you ever heard this phrase? It's dog eat dog out there. Huh? How many, how many of you ever acted like a dog out there? Don't raise your hand. I have. They had recently, Zona says, you, you're kind of growling at me. I said, well, you know, I, I was feeling rough. <laughs> you know what I found out? <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. You know what I found out? The reason why people are dog tired during the day is because they growl all day. Okay. And, and uh, of course, I did apologize. And uh, Zona, seven times 70, that's all I can remind her. <laughs> <laughs> but here's, here's my point. That's what happened to, to us. But Jesus, let me put it back up. The Father didn't create us to live in darkness with our candle out where we couldn't have fellowship with the light. Come on, that's right. Yes. 
But fallen human nature condemned us to live that way. Okay? Jesus came to redeem us from that bondage, that condemnation. That's the reason why he goes on to say, let me, let me just throw this out here. Jesus did something. He took care of racism when you and I understand what I'm talking about. Because Paul said, I don't know man after the flesh, but after the what? Spirit. Spirit. The Spirit. And guess what the world talks about all the time? They talk about nothing else but about the color of your skin. That's all they talk about. They, they will never, ever deal with racism. They never will. Because it's in their nature. Okay? Because they're living like the dog. You follow? But when Jesus came, he broke the bands of that condemnation, thereby lighting your candle so that you could have fellowship with the light and really understand why you were even created. Many people trying to figure out, we spend our whole life trying to figure out why we were even here. You know, you had nothing to do with it, right? Well, yeah. No. How many of you went to your mom and dad before you was born and said, I want to be born? You didn't. You had nothing to do with it. God created you because he wanted to love you. Oh, but here's... The world even has a false concept of love. True love is always based on truth with no fallacy, no hidden agendas, no manipulation. I just love you. And I want to bless you. You follow? The world... If somebody says, I love you, you say, well, even Hallmark, <laughs> even Hallmark, I love you. And then there's some, some kind of manipulation, misunderstanding, competition. And y'all don't ever watch Hallmark. <laughs> okay. They don't even know what it's about. Okay. So we're going to be dealing with that. Listen to this. Watch this. So by the law, moral law or ceremonial law, no man is justified but in the sight of God. For it is evident the just shall live by faith. Confidence in what? Not in ourselves. We're not talking about human confidence here. We're talking about confidence in what Jesus has done. Are you following me? This is very, very important. You know, somebody said, well, I, I want self-improvement. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. It's contradictory to the Bible. And we've allowed it to get into the church, and we talk about it. There's no such thing as self-improvement. You can't improve stupid. <laughs> you follow me? What you got to do is you got to turn the light on. Okay? 
There's no such thing as self-improvement. We don't want confidence in self, self-confidence. We spend all of our time talking about self-confidence. No, we want confidence in what Jesus has done because we owed a debt we couldn't pay, and he paid a debt we, he didn't owe to relieve you from that condemnation. Okay? And the law is not a faith. The moral law is not a faith. It is designed, listen carefully, to deal with man externally. It could never do anything about the heart. It designed to restrict or restrain until the day of reformation. Okay? Being made a... a, a, the man that doeth them shall live by them or in them. If you ever violate it once, it's as if you're guilty of, of it all the time. Okay? Christ hath redeemed us, underline the word redeem, from the curse of this law. So there's a blessing to this law and a curse for violating it. Okay? being made a curse for us. Now, why did he do it? For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree. Watch this. That the blessing, everybody say the blessing, blessing. of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the spirit life. The spirit life we might receive the promise of the spirit life through faith in what he paid for. Okay? Now, how did he do that? Watch this. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Glory to God. I'm about to get myself excited. In whom we have redemption... Remember, that means to purchase for freedom or to pay a debt in order to gain or, 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 possess, or regain possession of. How do we get that redemption? Through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now, let me talk about that just briefly. God put that external restrictions... To make the interest rate on the debt to skyrocket. Kind of sound like the way we are in America right now. Right. He raised the standard. How many of you ever heard of raising the interest rate? Huh? We're $30 trillion in debt. And now if we raise the interest rate... It's going to be so astronomical that it can't be paid for. Now, I'm going to give you some exciting news, but I want you to get the magnitude of this. It can't be paid for. That's the reason why he gave the moral law to Moses and the ceremonial law to Moses. To cause the interest on this debt to be so high that mankind could not pay for it. Even with his own life, he couldn't pay for it. With his own blood, he couldn't pay for it. It meant eternal 
damnation. Do you understand that? You know how long eternity is? I don't know because I haven't lived it all yet. But it means forever. In other words, there's no end. Okay? There's no end to it. So he did that so that there would be a penalty associated with the debt. The interest rate would be so astronomical that there's nothing we could do. We're doomed and confined, condemned to live this way forever until Jesus came. Go with me to the book of Hebrews. That's the reason why it could, it had to take the blood, listen carefully, of God. He, he redeemed us through his what? Blood. Everybody say blood. blood. Now this is fixing, we're fixing to enter in the Christian bloody week. Okay? When you talk about being washed in the blood, how many of you have ever heard that phrase? That doesn't mean God wants you to go down here and cut yourself and bleed all over yourself and take a bath. Because the blood of mere humans was contaminated with the nature of Adam. That's why Jesus had to be born of a virgin, having no earthly father, so that the blood that flowed through the veins of Jesus was not the blood of a mere man, it was the blood of the heavenly father. Uncontaminated, with the nature of sin. So that when he offered that blood on the, on the cross, that blood was pure, unstained with the nature of sin. So it could be, careful, pay attention right here, it could have the power source in it to obliterate and totally blot out all of the debt and the interest associated with it. Okay? Wow. I, I want to encourage you to read in the book of Hebrews 8 and 9. I don't have time to read that, but I, I want to read here in the book of Hebrews chapter 9 just a few verses, chapter, verses 10 through 15. And he's talking about everything that God set up in the ceremonial worship and the laws that he established to govern that worship in the Old Testament under Moses was a figure. It was never designed. It could only, listen, the blood of bulls and goats could only roll over the interest, the note to the next year. And never paid it off. It rolled it over to the next year and to the next year and to the next year because the high priest went into the holy presence of God once a year and he had to come with blood to sprinkle in what is referred to as the mercy seat. And it kept being rolled over and kept being rolled over and rolled over. And it kept accumulating, but it kept being rolled over. 
okay, until we come to the fullness of time. Just keep that in mind. All right? Verse number 10. Wherefore stood, uh, he goes on in verse 9, we're not going to read that, but he says that was a figure of what's going to transpire in, a, in the spiritual realm. Everything in that worship was, spirit, was a figure, okay? Verse 10, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings, and carnal or fleshly ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation or restoration. Okay? So all that worship was done rolling it over year after year through a formality until God could, uh, until the fullness of time when Jesus was going to come into the earth and totally blot out the debt with all its interest. Am I making sense? Okay. But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle. The tabernacle that they used was a bunch of tents and stuff that they orchestrated, designed by God, okay? It was a physical tabernacle. But Jesus came with a tabernacle that was flawless. His body. Everybody say his body. body. Okay. What made with hand, man, with, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of bulls, uh, blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, the true holy place, not a figure of Moses' tabernacle, but the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. For us, for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh. All he did was that when that priest went in there once a year with the blood of bulls and goats, all it did was roll that over and God says, okay, I'm going to let your tabernacle, your fleshly tabernacle, uh, have some relief from this for one year. Are you following? Everybody with that? Okay. All right, watch this. If God used the blood of bulls and goats to purify the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, watch this, it's going to get real interesting, the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot, without blemish, without fault to God to purge, look at this, to purge what? Your conscience. The blood of Jesus is to purge your conscience. So therefore you don't live under the law of sin and death whereby that law reminds you of what a dirty dog you are and you will always be. Are you following me? Glory to God. 
Man, what an exciting time. Do you know you can have a clear conscience before God? Clear. Clear conscience. You're not conscious that you were an old dirt bag. You follow me? Turn to your neighbor saying a scum bucket anymore. <laughs> Glory to God. God didn't just, he not only cleaned out the bucket, he gave you a new one. Amen. All right. Purge your conscience, watch this, from dead works. You know what a dead work is? I'm just doing what I can do. I'm just doing the best I can. I'm just doing the best I got, can, God. Why don't you help me? Because you've got a conscience that has not been purged. Okay? My dad used to, used to, I remember him telling one time where he just, he was praying. He said, God, I, I, I'm just doing the best I can. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him, to his heart, and said, that's the problem. Your best is not good enough. The best of fallen human nature still falls short because the debt's too high. Watch this. To purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now, every person before they receive Jesus as doing the best they can but it still condemns them and in still condemning them their best is not sufficient to clear their conscience how many of you ever said I should have Turn to your neighbor and say, shoulda, woulda, coulda. <laughs> you know what that gets you? Where you are now. <laughs> your salvation is not dependent on your sufficiency because you are insufficient. Are you understanding? So Jesus sufficiency to pay the debt now qualifies you as if you never owed the debt. Thereby cleansing you of all condemnation consciousness and give you a righteous consciousness in the sight of God where you can come boldly Everybody say boldly. boldly. Or we could say it another way, confidently to the throne of grace and obtain mercy. Are you, are you understanding that? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we're, we're, I'm almost through reading my part and then I'll preach. Okay. For this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death and for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called or invited might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. 
Now listen very carefully. I want you to get this. This is this, this, we as parents sometimes we make our kids a promise to motivate them to do what we want them to, and then sometimes we have no intentions of keeping it. <laughs> Uh, you ought to hear Pastor Zona talk about when our oldest grandson Uriah with little Biddy, and he's in the back seat and, and she was headed somewhere to, to get something. She had to get there before the, the store closed and she drove by, uh, what, what, what was it? Chuck E. Cheese. And he's in the back seat in his car seat and he says, Chuck E. Cheese, Mimi, Mimi, go there. And Mimi was trying to appease him, trying to appease him. So she could get there before the deadline at the other place to get what she needed, okay? And after she got it, she's driving back, and she purposely tried not to go around the way of Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> and, and as she's making the turn, Uriah says in the back seat, Mimi, this is not the way to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> She repented and wound up taking him to Chuck E. Cheese. But God's not like that. He don't make a promise just to motivate you to do what he wants done. He makes a promise to you with the total complete intent to not only keep it, but to have it fulfilled in your life. It's not a carrot in front of the horse to get the horse to move. It's to get the horse to be able to eat it. Are you understanding? Now, I've got to see if I can wrap this up really good. We go back to Galatians where he said, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, I encourage you to read the whole chapter. The first 14 verses are really pleasant to me. The last three quarters of that chapter, I don't like. Because the first 14 verses says, if you will do this exactly the way I say, when I say to do it, all these blessings will come upon you. Everybody say blessings. blessings. Then he says, starting with verse 15, I believe he says, and if you don't do this, if you don't do this, all these curses is going to come on you. And the curses that are mentioned are three-quarters of that chapter. He's very specific. He talks about three dimensions of our life. He talks about poverty. He talks about the consciousness of sin or unrighteousness. And he talks about uh, uh, sickness all of those are mentioned under the curses. Jesus came to redeem us from the curses. Galatians chapter 3, read it again. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. The what? The blessing. The whole purpose is you are the object of God's love. He created to love you. Okay? He absolutely formed you. When Adam and Eve 
sabotaged his fellowship, their fellowship with the Father. The Father's longing was, I want to love you. I want to love you without any pretense. I want, to love, I want my truth to prevail in your life. And now we're cut off. Now I have to deal with you strictly by external stuff when I wanted to live on the inside of you, fellowshipping you day by day. And in everything you do, everything you do, everywhere you go, every dimension of your life, I want to be there with you. I want to do it with you. But they were segregated, severed off from the life of that blessing. Now listen carefully. The greatest blessing, the whole blessing, let me put it this way. If we take a picture of heaven, heaven has no sin in it. I'm talking about the place. Okay? There's not going to be grievous toil. You're not going to have to worry about inflation, taxation, crooked government. You won't be manipulated, hyped up, and then have the rug pull out from under you. Every bit of love there is sincere and in truth. Are you following? <laughs> That's the place whereby there is no curse. We're waiting and hoping to get to a destination when Jesus paid the price for his presence to live in you. The blessing is being in his presence continually without the thought of condemnation, even when he corrects you, there is no condemnation associated. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying to you? People say, well, I don't like being corrected. You, you don't understand. He's helping you to live in truth. There can be no true love without truth in it. Love and truth are inseparable. They're one and the same. There's no fallacy in it. And God says, I'm going to pay the price whereby you'll continually live in my presence. For that's where the blessing is. That's where the blessing is. Where you're conscious of his presence not conscious of your shortcoming. Only the blood of Jesus could get you into that place. He redeemed you from something, but he redeemed you to something else. Many people think that, that they, they, they just, they don't understand this. And so there, and, and sometimes the church and even uh, us as leaders has, we've had preconceived ideas and we haven't always done a good job of talking about what I'm talking about.
And so therefore, we, we think that Jesus came to just be your fire escape. You follow? That's not what he came to do. He came to put you back into his presence. Where you can, you can talk to him, fellowship with him on it. In fact, he put his very spirit, he's promised to give you his very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead to live on the inside of you. And that spirit, listen carefully, the Holy Spirit is the personality, the nature, the character, and the power of the life of Christ. That's what he came to do. And only the blood of Jesus could pay for it. He blotted out everything that was against you. Just totally blotted it out. You can come into his throne room anytime. Listen, listen, I know this is going to shake somebody up. I, just, I love shaking people up. I love to make you uncomfortable. Even when you come short, you don't run from him. You run to him. Fallen human nature tries to get you to fight against that. No, I can handle it myself. No, no, you can't. You can't handle it yourself. If you could handle it yourself, you'd already taken care of business. You're just trying to manage debt. Sin debt. And our little religious activity that has ceremony attached to it but has no power life to deliver you from that consciousness... Our religious activity with, with no power is nothing more than a ceremony that's pretense. Are you listening? Yeah. Woo, shout me down. What I'm talking about is the life of Christ. Jesus came to give you his way of living. Whereby you have access to the Father. Yeah, but Pastor Ronnie, you don't know where I came from. Do you think God's interested where you came from? He's not. Listen, he ain't even interested in what kind of life you've lived in the past. He's interested on where you're going. Amen. We concentrate on where we came from. Everybody's got a testimony where we came from. Are you kidding me? If that was so good, then we'd get up here and brag about how awful we all are. And compete about that. It doesn't matter whether you was raised in a preacher's home like I was. Or you came from the deepest, darkest regions of hell itself. Because see, we all came from the regions of hell. Are, are y'all fo- following me? That don't make you... Because I, I know what some people do. Well, Pastor Ronnie, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. You can be raised in a Christian home, be just as much of a sinner as you was if, you, if you'd never even know Christianity at all. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
You ought to be praising Jesus. You ought to take a moment right now and praise Jesus. Praise Jesus for his precious blood. Praise him right now. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Begin to praise him. Begin to worship him. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we praise you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, you paid a debt that you didn't know because I owed a debt I couldn't pay. Thank you, Jesus, for washing me in your precious blood, cleansing me from all unrighteousness. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. Let me, let me have that bat right there. Trey was talking about something right here. here. Here's how you get saved, by the way. Not with the bat. I'm going to show the illustration in a minute. This is what the Bible says. It's ABC. You admit you need a Savior because you've got a debt you can't pay. Then you believe on what he paid. You, be, you believe in the sacrifice he made, the, 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 the debt that he paid. You, you believe that he paid it. And then you confess, you confess, you confess his lordship. That's what Romans chapter 10 tells us. Okay? So it's very, say ABC. ABC. You admit that you have a debt you couldn't pay. You believe, say it with me, I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I confess his lordship. Now let me show you from now on, watch, 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 watch what happens. If you will get, if you will let this grip your heart. I taught a, 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 a sermon series called Get a Grip. Now that you've done that, every time the devil tries to throw you a curveball, he's trying to get, he's trying to strike you out, and if he can, he's trying to hit you with the ball. Are you following? But Jesus, the slugger, is on the inside of you. Are you following me? And you're learning how to yield to Jesus the slugger. And when you first get up to bat, you may only get to first base. But don't worry. God's going to make Jesus bat for you and make a grand slam. Spirit, soul, and body. Inflation Inflation, you don't have to fear inflation, depression, aggravation through the mail. You don't have to fear any of that. You know it's coming, but guess what? Jesus the slugger's on the inside of you. And every time the devil tries to throw a curveball, instead of you saying, well, I don't know why, I work my fingers to the bone, and nothing's ever working out for me. That's sin consciousness. 
But now we got, God is wanting to deal with a righteous consciousness to clear your mind of all that you deserve and get you over into the realm of what Jesus deserves and get you a righteous consciousness. Devil, you throw me a curveball, I'm going to swing it right back at you. Just go ahead. See, your competition is the, is, is the one that's throwing the ball at you. It's not with other Christians. Quit trying to compare yourself. That's why Paul said don't compare yourself. Don't compete with one another. Because the devil knows how to throw you the curveball. He's been watching you. He's been watching what you've been complaining about. <laughs> how many of you... No, no, never mind. Come on. Come on, devil. I'm confident in the slugger that's in me. Come on. He has one of his little imps. He has one of his little imps that throws you a softball and you hit it out of the park. Okay? The next time around, you get up to bat and you say, we want a pitcher, not a belly itcher. <laughs> Give me some competition here, son. Until, listen carefully, you think I'm kidding here, but there's, there's some places in the Bible that says this. Some people tried to cast out a devil because they saw Paul cast out a devil. And they, they said, we adjure you by Jesus Christ whom Paul preaches. And the Bible says that devil out of one man beat those guys up, stripped them naked, and they ran off naked. You know why? Because they didn't know God for themselves. They didn't have that intimate relationship, you follow? Here's my point. The devil, the devil would not even show up with Paul because Paul learned to knock it out of the park based upon confidence of the slugger that's in him. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? There is no problem represented in this room that anybody has that God will not through you by his presence in you uh, empower you to knock it out of the park. And you say, well, Pastor Ronnie, you don't know what I'm facing. Yeah, but you don't know that you're underestimating the God that's in you. If, if you've made him Lord of your life. You follow? That's why you need a righteous consciousness. His blood will blot out all that crappy thinking. Turn to your neighbor and say, crappy thinking. Turn to your neighbor and say, it stinks, by the way. <laughs> and to give you a righteous consciousness. I'm in right standing with God because of what Jesus has done for me. Not because I showed up to service this morning and endured Pastor Ronnie's preaching. Jesus paid this price. And he wants you to enter into it. He's given you the promise. And a promise that he intended when he made it for you to have fulfilled in your life. Not some, not some pie in the sky thing. You may have to walk through something. But 
You can do, do like the three Hebrew children. You can walk in that fire and come out without even the smell of smoke. Yes. You follow? You can also be in that lion's den and come out and, because you slept all night. Are you listening? You slept all night. God gave you a bunch of furry pillows. <laughs> are, 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 are you understanding? Jesus paid the price. He redeemed you from something into something else. Glory to God. Stand up, please. Hallelujah. You that are viewing by live stream, if you can, if you can do that too, the reason why I want you to stand up, it's time for you to take a stand. The devil's been beating you up and popping your sack. It's time for you to take your stand in Christ. It's, it's time for you to get the mind of His anointing. It's, it's time for you to trust in what Jesus paid for. I am going to prosper during a time of inflation. I am going to walk in health through a pandemic. Yes. <laughs> oh, the church has been scared the last couple of years because we didn't have the mind of Christ. We let the world, the flesh, and the devil make us hide behind a rock. And God says, I'm going to put a giant slayer on the inside of God's people. Are you listening? Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your greatest hour is now. Don't you let the spirit of fear keep you in condemnation any longer. Jesus and his precious blood right now. It, this is not a formality. This is a way to live. It's, an, it's the abundant life. The thief comes to steal it from you. Don't let him have it. Get a grip. Get a grip on this. Glory be to God. Get a grip on it. Say this with me out loud. In the name of Jesus, I will no longer be pushed around by the lies of the devil perpetrating fear on me. In the name of Jesus, I get a grip on the life of Christ that he paid for. In the name of Jesus, devil, you're a liar. I don't belong to you. My mind doesn't belong to you. My body doesn't belong to you. My finances doesn't belong to you. My children doesn't belong to you. My country does not belong to you. In the name of Jesus, I have authority over the works of the devil by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of me. The very nature, the very character, the very life of Christ is on the inside of me because Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. I believe 
and what Jesus paid for. Thank you, Jesus. I take a grip on this new life in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Now praise him for me. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Renew your mind to it. Renew your mind to it. If not, the devil's going to keep stealing from you. Glory to God. And he, you can stop him. You can stop him. Glory to God. You can stop him. In Jesus' name, you can stop him. I, I have to stop. I want to keep going, but I want to stop. I got to stop. Glory to God. Part two is coming Easter Sunday. This is the greatest celebration of all celebration. We think Christmas is a big deal. Christmas means nothing without this. Amen. Resurrection Sunday. Glory to God. Don't you miss it. Father, I thank you right now for every person. If they don't know you, thank you that you drew them here. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, help them to fall dependent upon you. Help them lay their whole life before you. And if that's you, just say, Jesus, come be Lord of my life. Come into me. If, that, if what Pastor Ronnie was saying is real, come into me. Yes. And he will. Now, Father, I pray for them in the name of Jesus. I pray for every person in the sound of my voice. Thank you for your healing virtue. Thank you for your miraculous hand. Glory to God. Somebody's going to get something miraculous this week. I mean, a, a, a miracle. So I'm talking about something that's out of the ordinary. If I, if I was you, I'd take that. Father, I thank you right now. Glory to God for your grace surrounding us like a shield following us everywhere we go. Say this with me. I hear your voice, hear your voice. and the voice, of another, the voice of another I won't follow. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given your angels charge over us to watch over our families, our properties, and our goods. You've given us your name to invoke. Say this with me. In the name of Jesus, I declare there'll be no tragedy named among us. Father, I thank you right now that you've so filled us full of your love that as we go into our everyday lives, your love would just ooze out of us and touch those that we come in contact with. We give you the praise and we give you the thanksgiving for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. I'd like to say thank you for all those who give and support this ministry. I pray that you've been blessed and challenged by the podcast today. For more information on how to give, you can visit omegachurch.com forward slash give. Thank you for believing in our mission.